Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we preview the season opener against Notre Dame, and that starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio, where we are T-minus two days in counting! Woo-hoo! Getting ready for a beatdown in the shoe, celebrating 100 years of, of Ohio Stadium. And to celebrate, we are welcoming in our Catholic brethren into the horseshoe, the luck of the Irish, and we plan on just trouncing some clover in the horseshoe. I'm joined by Aaron Brown, Chris Wilds. It's great to have all of you who are listening. I hope those of you who are going to the game this Saturday will cheer loud and proud. And for those who are not, be on the lookout. We will be there uh, with bells on cheering for all of you. Let's dive right into the show, shall we, guys? Here Let's we do go. It. We're going to jump in here by the numbers first off, guys. A little history lesson for you. We have played Notre Dame only six times in the entire history of Notre Dame and Ohio State football, four of which have only been regular season games and the last two, which have been bowl games. Ohio State has won the last four of those six games in a row. Our last loss to Notre Dame was in the year 19. 19- 36. Boys, not only was our parents not alive, I don't know that my grandparents was alive back then. Well, mine were, <laughs> but mine are both dead now, so. <laughs> well, my grandparents are gone as well. I mean, maybe they were little, little, little tykes. I don't know. But th- let me tell you how long ago this was. The last time Ohio State lost to Notre Dame, they took a train to South Bend, Indiana to play them. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. All right, so the last meeting, however, was in 2016. We won that game 44-28. to 28. 
The last time this game was played in the horseshoe was 1995. That was also an Ohio State win, 45-26. to 26. Last time we went to South Bend was in 1996. We won that one as well, 29-16. Of course, we will go there next year, I think in game number three of the 2023 season. Uh, largest margin of victory was in 1995. We won by 19 points, which is interesting because the current spread on this game is now at 17 and a half after starting out at 13 and a half. But don't ask Marcus Freeman that. He just found out. Largest margin of defeat, however, for Ohio State was in 1936, and it was by only five points. So let that one sink in as well. We have not lost to them by more than uh, a le- but then by a less than a touchdown. So there we go. Ohio State's largest, or excuse me, Ohio State's longest win streak over Notre Dame is those four we have won in a row from 1995 to present. And Notre Dame's longest win streak over us was is two, which were the t- first two meetings in 1935 and 1936. Of course, this is Ryan Day's first uh, game ever against Notre Dame as head coach. This will also be his first game against Marcus Freeman, who is coaching in only his second game as head coach for Notre Dame. The first one was in a bowl game against another OSU, that being Oklahoma State. And that didn't go so well for Marcus Freeman. They did play well against the Cowboys, but they lost in that game. And I think they're going to lose this one as well. Chris, why don't you break down some of the statistics heading into this game as far as the players and teams are concerned? I'm going to do that, Eric, but real quick, just a, a quick question. That game they played against Oklahoma State, do you remember who was the defensive coordinator in that game? It was not Jim Knowles. It was, was not, but it, it was, was his not. defense. It was his defense. Jim Knowles was already being employed by Ohio State, and they wouldn't let him coach that game. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's dive into the statistics a little bit. Let's take a look at the Notre Dame offense. This is definitely not the same team as it was last season. Uh, Gone is QB1 Jack Cohn. Uh, The Wisconsin transfer came in and led the team in passing. He went 253 of 385 for 3,150 yards, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Filling that role this year is going to be Tyler Buckner. Now, the first-year starter did play over the last season. He completed 21 of 35 passes for 298 yards, had three touchdowns, but also had three interceptions. Now, Buckner is also the team's top returning rusher. Last season, he ran 46 times for 336 yards, three touchdowns. 2021's leading rusher for the Irish was Kyron Williams. He's now a member of the L.A. Rams. With him goes 204 carries, 1,002 yards, 14 touchdowns that they do not have. This season, the bulk of that rushing load is going to be handled by Chris Tyree. Now, Tyree did get a little bit of playing time last year. He had 56 carries for 222 and a touchdown last year. He is also a threat out of the backfield to receive the ball. He had 24 catches for 258 and two touchdowns last season. Now, the Irish do boast one of the best tight ends in the country in Michael Mayer. Mayer led the team in receptions with 71, was second on the team in receiving yards with 840, and was tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns with seven. But the big question is who is going to lead this team on the outside? Now, last year, it was Kevin Austin Jr. 
He was last season's top receiver with 48 catches, 888 yards, and seven touchdowns, but he is off to the NFL. Avery Davis was supposed to step in and fill that role. However, he went down during camp with an ACL. That puts a lot of pressure on sophomores Lorenzo Styles and Jaden Thomas, as well as the graduate wideout Brandon Lindsay. Styles flashed a little last season. He did have 24 catches for 344 and a touchdown. Lindsay had 32 catches for 350. And they found the end zone three times as well. Thomas has yet to make a college catch. The good news for the Irish offense, I guess, is they do have a pretty solid returning interior offensive line and two pretty good young tackles. Defense is another story. The Irish returned numerous starters on defense, including their entire defensive line. Statistically, Isaiah Foskey is the man. He had 11 sacks last year, and this defensive line accounted for 36 of the team's 41 sacks. They also returned last season's leading tackler in J.D. Bertrand. Bertrand had 102 102 tackles, a sack, a pass defense, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery last year. They also get back their interception leader in D.J. Brown, who finished the season with three. You've got cornerback Cam Hart coming back, who led the team in passes defense with seven. And a great coverage linebacker in Jack Kaiser, who finished the season with 45 tackles, four passes defense, and two interceptions. Opportunistic Irish defense last season had 25 takeaways, 15 via interception, and they did recover 10 of the 14 fumbles they forced. But is this defense capable of stopping a very potent OSU offense? And let's take a quick look at that offense. Ohio State's offense was number one in the country last year, scoring around 47 points a game. And while they lost a lot of production from the wideout in the form of two top 12 draft picks, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, it's a stack team again on offense this season, guys. Statistically, it all starts with Heisman favorite C.J. Stroud. Stroud came into last season having not thrown a college pass. All he did was come out and go 317 of 441, 4,435 yards, 44 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Oh, by the way, he sat out a game and was hurt during another. The Buckeyes lost about 2,000 receiving yards when Olave and Wilson went to the NFL, but not to fear, the top receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba returns after a season where he posted 95 catches for 1,606 yards and nine touchdowns. JSN is going to be joined by Marvin Harrison Jr., who came on strong in limited action last season. He had 11 catches for 139 and three touchdowns. As you guys know, most of that damage did come in the Rose Bowl in the victory over Utah. A finally healthy Julian Fleming uh, enters the mix. He's got 12 catches, 86 yards on the season last season. And then there's super soft Emeka Egbuka, who looks to make a difference this year. He averaged 21.2 yards per catch last season, guys. Nine catches, 191 yards. Also returning is second-year sensation Travion Henderson, who will lead the running attack. Henderson had 183 carries, 1,248 yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground last year. He added 27 catches. 312 yards, four touchdowns receiving. And then backing him up, you have the freight train that is Mayan Williams. Williams had a solid year despite battling some injury. He racked up 507 yards, 71 carries, three touchdowns. 
Oh, yeah, by the way, he averaged 7.1 yards per carry. We've got Mr. Everything, Cade Stover, starting at tight end. Five catches for 76 yards last year. If this line is solid, this should hopefully be another number one defense. Now, turning to the off, or the, the uh, defensive side of the ball, rather, we had a little bit of woes last year. But you know what? New head coach Jim Knowles definitely had some bright spots to build on. We've got last year's leading tackler and top interception man back in Ronnie Hickman. Hickman had 98 tackles, two interceptions, a sack, and a forced fumble last season. He's joined in that defensive backfield by a healthy Josh Proctor and a pair of really solid corners in Denzel Burke, who had 37 tackles, 12 passes defense, which was among the best in the country, and one interception. Also back here is Cam Brown, 25, catch, or 25 tackles, seven passes defense and interception. Guys, this, and this duo, when they were in the game together, did not give up a touchdown pass of over 20 yards all season. They're going to be joined in that 4-2-5 backfield by Tanner McAllister. McAllister is going to bring leadership and continuity to Knowles' defense as he played in that at Oklahoma State last year, where he did amass 42 tackles, an interception, and six passes defensed. Knowles also has a linebacker team that actually has a little bit of depth and experience versus last season. Our top three tackling linebackers all return this season. Tommy Eichenberg's coming off a great Rose Bowl. Last season, he was second on the team with tackles and tackles with 64. Cody Simon fought some injury, but shared some playing time with Eichenberg last season. He had 54 tackles and then converted steel, uh, converted tailback steel chambers. He's looking to have a breakout season this year after a 2021 season where he posted 47 tackles, two passes defense, an interception and a forced fumble. Now, the strength of this team may very well be its defensive line. Gone is our sack leader, Haskell Garrett, who had five and a half last season. But the number two guy in Tyleek Williams is back. Five sacks is what he had last year. He's joined by the Super Softs. JT JT Tuamaluau, who had 17 tackles and two and a half sacks. And Jack Sawyer, who had 13 tackles and three sacks. Also returning is Zach Harrison. He tallied 33 tackles and three sacks last year. And then we've got defensive tackle to Ron Vincent, who had 23 tackles and half a sack last year. This should be a much improved and exciting defense, at least theoretically by the numbers, Aaron. How do you see it playing out as far as the talent on the field schematically? So I'm not going to lie to you guys. Coming across defensive uh, film was very difficult. And I actually wasn't able to really find anything on Notre Dame itself. So I had to go into the archives a little bit of uh, the tubes of you. So what I had to do was look at Marcus Freeman and how he did things at Cincinnati. And then I had to do a little research on Al Golden, who is in his first year as a coordinator at Notre Dame. He's coming back. You guys might remember him from Miami, Florida a while back. And I think he might have been at Tulsa for a minute. I can't remember. But either way. Uh, he had spent the last couple of years at uh, in the NFL learning some things. He kind of did the old Kerry Coombs. Um, so he's coming into Notre Dame with, with a new perspective and a new outlook on how he wants to run his defense. And what I've learned is this. He and Marcus Freeman are going to be working together uh, 
to, to do this thing, to make this defense function. And I've heard a lot of good things, which I would expect out of the coaching staff through interviews and whatnot. But what I've seen on film a little bit here is you're going to see variation in the coverages. So they're going to he's he's learned how to disguise the coverages. OK, so this is where it's going to be on C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day's coaching ability uh, to see if he can get him to recognize that in the middle of the play because you might see the corners line up and man and they drop into 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 two into cover two you know what i mean it, it's it's it, it can get tricky and he has to do this on the fly to read this defense um so variation in the coverage uh that can also mean like cover five where half the field's in a cover two the other is in cover three if that makes any sense so the linebackers are going to drop the hook to curl you know, you're, you're going to have a safety over top, so that can look like one safety in the middle of the field, but you don't know which side he's going to. So, again, C.J. Stroud is going to have to read that as it's happening, and that can be very tricky. Um, but I got faith in Ryan Day's coaching ability. We, we saw what he can do. Uh, they're also going to run a multiple defense. So you might see a three-man front. You might see a four-man front uh, blitzing from different angles, stuff that I'm expecting to see Ohio State do. Notre Dame is going to do that as well and it doesn't really help that al washington is now their d-line coach james laurinaitis is also on that coaching staff these guys have inside information on ohio state what they don't have is the mind of jim Knowles. what they don't have is what he's going to cook up against the notre dame offense which i am about to talk about right now so what we, well, let, actually, let me back up. What we need to do on offense as Ohio State against this defense, okay, is establish the run first and foremost. I think we're going to see that. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Travion Henderson. As long as that's effective, you'll continue to see that. Um, we also, uh, because of this mixed coverage and the variation and, and the different looks that we're going to get, we're going to have to test out at different levels of the passing game. So mesh routes, you're going to have to you're going to see some comeback routes, some slants, some posts, some flags. We're going to test every level uh, because we need to see what looks they're going to give us on different routes. What what are they going to do on different uh, formations or uh, 11 personnel, 12 personnel and so on? So that's what we got to do. And we have to attack, attack, attack. That is going to be the name of this game. Do not give up any sacks. Don't give up any kind of yardage. We have to attack. Keep moving forward, period. Um, on, on Notre Dame's offensive side, I was able to actually find a lot of film because uh, this is actually their O coordinator's third year on, on the team. It's Tommy Reese. Uh, he was a quarterback's coach as well. Uh, he's nowhere near Ryan Day uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Notre Dame likes to do some different things. They ran a lot of 10 personnel, 11 and 12 even. So two tight ends. And what they like to do is they'll have like, they'll even they'll do double wing. So you'll have a tight end on, on each side of the tackles. Uh, they also like to do uh, not a stacked, but one is on the line. One is off. The one that's off will go in formation a lot of time or in formation in motion, excuse me, across the formation. And what they'll like to do is run the ball on those or they'll hit a screen. So that's something to watch for. They run five wide. They ran bunch. Uh, they even went uh, motion wide receiver motion into bunch out of 12 personnel. Um, what I look to see a lot of, though. Uh, which is just 
common with the offenses these days, inside zone, outside zone running. Uh, lots of out routes, comebacks, hook to curl, uh, play action with medium to deeper routes. Uh, they like to do a lot of screens. Chris mentioned their tailback is dangerous. This is where they can hurt us. If the linebackers aren't staying honest, if the line comes too far up the field, we can get burnt very easily. Uh, they like to do flats, and I saw a lot of mesh with the tight ends and the wide receivers. So essentially, you'll have the wide receivers, let's just call it on the left side. You'll have the tight end on the right side. They will cross across the field, and it hurt uh, Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl last year pretty bad. Now, I know Jim Knowles didn't coach in that game, but it's a similar style defense, 4-2-5. So it's something that the safeties are really going to have to pay attention to. The speed of our linebackers and the athleticism is different than what Oklahoma State has to offer. So I've got confidence that they can cover that ground and recognize the play. That's going to be essential because uh, we all saw what we did to that team up north on mesh routes. That can kill you. Uh I think cover one, cover two in most situations is going to really be the name of the game. Uh, we can't – cover four is going to hurt. If we're playing quarters against Notre Dame, that's going to hurt because the secondary is going to be way far back. The linebackers are going to be dropping too deep, and that's where those hook to curls and the flats, that's where that hurts you. Plus, Tyler Buckner can run the ball. That dude is dangerous. Uh, so we really got to watch for that. I don't want to see any bail technique because then the, the corners are going to be with their body half turned. I don't want to see that at all. I don't think we're going to. Uh, but that's just some things that I saw on film this week that we really got to watch out for. Beautiful. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back. We're going to break this down, break this game down even more from our perspective, what we see and uh, we'll get into a little bit of uh, our predictions and uh, as far as this game as well as college football in general this weekend. So hang tight. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right, so let me ask this question. Maybe it's a position battle. Maybe it's a one-on-one -on -one battle. But what are we going to be watching come Saturday? When we turn – when you guys turn the television on and when I'm screaming from D-Deck on Saturday uh, – don't be jealous. Okay, guys. Um what are you going to be watching for? What is the matchup? Aaron, I'll start with you. So I've got two things that I'm watching for. Okay. Okay. Ohio State's secondary and linebackers against Notre Dame's wide receivers and running backs. Okay. That's, that's matchup number one. Matchup number two and probably the most important of the day. And you – just me saying that, you probably know what it is. Justin Fry – and what he has installed on this Ohio State offensive line against Al Washington and the Notre Dame defensive line. That is the matchup of the day. It is. It, it, it's, it, it, I, I know it's kind of cliche to say whoever wins in the trenches is going to win the game. But that is Notre Dame's strength is their defensive line. Okay, They are pretty weak in the secondary. Uh, uh, OSU torched them. 
for 371 passing yards and 234 rushing yards last year in that bowl game, in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay? This defense is weak on the backside. Where they are successful is when they're getting pressure up front. So how can our offensive line handle that pressure, number one? And number two, what kind of push are they getting in the running game? Because I agree with you, Aaron. I think we're going to have a heavy dose of Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams in this football game, man. I really, I really, I really do think that. And I also think that I think CJ Stroud is going to go into this playing smart. Play within yourself. Let the game come to you. Don't try to force something downfield. I think Notre Dame's going to play a soft defense. I think they're going to try to keep everything in front, uh, a kind of a bend, don't break type of defense. Don't give up the big play. Make us work it down the field type of thing. And I think that plays right in the hands of our running game. It does. It does. It absolutely does. And I think you're right. I think they're going to play soft uh, because nobody in the country, Alabama included, yeah, I said that, nobody wants to see these wide receivers and man up. Right. Right. So the running lanes are going to be there. Can we create them on the offensive line against what is considered one of the best defensive lines in all of college football this year? That's the game within the game for me. Chris, what are you going to be watching on Saturday? Well, like you guys mentioned, the offensive line, I think, is is the key. But at the same time, what I want to see is how our defensive ends and our defensive line as a whole match up against these two young sophomore tackles that Notre Dame have as well. Can we get pressure on the quarterback? Can we keep him inside between the tackles, not let him get out and use those feet to his advantage? That's the key, I think, to stopping the offense. Because honestly, like I said, they have lost a ton on that offense. And I think that if we can get some pressure on that young quarterback, this game could get ugly really fast. Yeah, Notre Dame, I, I listened to some of the Notre Dame podcasts last couple of days. They are tr- they are wanting to play this game in a phone booth. And they are wanting to speed the game up by possessing the football and winning on third down. Third down is going to be key. Now, they're also worried that third down won't matter to Ohio State because if Ohio State is is just doing their uh, uh, pushing their defense around at will offensively, then third down is not going to matter. But for them, offensively, third down is going to be is going to matter because they want to be in a lot of third and shorts, get the first down, and suck the clock away and keep the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hands. That is their game plan. They w- they are hoping to keep this game close and get it into the fourth quarter within a score. And they think they've got a shot if that happens. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen. I've looked at this thing multiple ways. We've looked at it all offseason, Chris. We they, Notre Dame just does not have the roster that Ohio State has. They've got some pretty good individual guys. But on a whole, as a, as a, as a team, the depth is just not there for Notre Dame. So my question is, can Marcus Freeman – Dial up a game plan with the help of James Laurinaitis and others to to give Ohio State fits, kind of what Oregon did. Because let's be honest, Oregon didn't have the roster that Ohio State had either. But on that Saturday, they outcoached Ryan Day, and for the most part, they outcoached our terrible defensive staff at the time as well, which Al Washington was a part of that. But we also had C.J. Stroud starting in only his second game ever. And he was injured, by the way, which we found out he didn't. So he didn't have that experience. And we had a defensive 
a defense that was so manila and just boring and quite frankly uh, was not schematically prepared well. And we couldn't adjust. I think Ryan Day has answered all those things. We have C.J. Stroud with experience, offense's experience. He answered the defense problems. Jim Knowles is there now with a better scheme. All those defensive guys who are, who are back and with more experience. I just don't see Notre Dame really offering us much of a uh, – I mean, maybe maybe through the, through the first quarter and two, maybe at most. But when we get in that second half and, and our experience and depth just starts to take over – I think we run them out of the house, guys. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Well, not not only do I think that the experience and depth take them over, Eric, I think it comes down to this. I think we have – I think what's going to happen is Notre Dame is going to gas out. Their defense is going to get tired in that second half because I don't see that offense being able to come out and, and just dominate at a level that's going to keep them on the field and keep that defense off the field long enough to keep those guys fresh for that second half. And if this becomes a second half track meet, it, it, it's going to be nasty. It, 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 you know, I could see Mayan Williams just dominating the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Travion Henderson's worn him down for three quarters, and Mayan comes in just starts gashing. You, you, you may even see the the freshman in there. By the oh, Dallin Hayden's going to. He's going to. I would not. I. I, I would be surprised if he didn't at least get a carry at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron, any thoughts on that before we go on to uh, uh, the the next question here? No, I, I think you guys are on to that because um, I know that Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, they're cross-training their linebackers, so that tells me they're having depth issues because they want those guys to not – substitute out they don't want a rotation they want those guys to be prepared for whatever and that is their answer to like hurry up offense because you notice a lot of teams will rotate Notre Dame's trying not to do that they want those guys out there the whole time because it can kill them if they don't get off the field fast enough or if the other guys don't get on in position fast enough so I agree with you guys I think they get gassed out there at the end all right, Aaron, let me ask this question. You you finished the uh, sentence for me. Ohio State wins on Saturday because? All right, so I think that it's going to come down to our defensive performance. I think it's going to come down to effective running, overall experience of the team, and winning urgency. We want that national championship. Not only does the country expect it, but I think that that team expects it more than what the rest of the country does. They there, want this. There is a different attitude with this team this year. There is. It, there, it, there is a a chip on their shoulder type of feeling. There is a sense of urgency. Um, it, it, it's permeated throughout the entire program, this entire fall camp, from the coaching staff with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and the rest of the, the, the staff throughout to the players. I mean – when they get interviewed by the media, there's a lot of one-word answers. There's a lot of like, I'm, I'm, they're, they act, for for lack of a better term, they act pissed. They're ready to hit it. people. Yeah, I, I love I, it. Yes, absolutely. Like this, this, they have prepared for this. Jim Knowles came out and straight said, if we, if the if the defense performs bad, it's completely on him. Right. He did not prepare them properly. So that tells me he's done everything in his power to make sure these guys are in a position to be successful. And all the buzz in the media around the Woody is that this defense is different. 
they even the offensive guys have been talking about how much more difficult it has been to, it has been to move the ball on this defense. I'm super stoked to see this defense, see how they're flying around. I just I just feel like the silver bullets are going to be back. I just yeah. got this feeling, man. Chris, your turn. Ohio State will win on Saturday because I think it's because we commit to establishing the run. I think we have 200-yard rushers in this game. And because, as you mentioned earlier, C.J. Stroud is a year more experienced. He's a year smarter. And I think he doesn't make mistakes. All right. I, uh, how dare I even a- ask this question? But I think it, reve- it will reveal to us and the listeners any form of, of hesitancy that we might have about this team. Aaron, we lose on Saturday because, not saying we are, but if we lose on Saturday, it will be because what? If we lose, it's going to be because of similar reasons to Oregon, and I'm not going to bring in the coaching. I'm going to say it's because we didn't execute. It will be because we beat ourselves slash injuries. Okay. Yeah, that last underline that last one. That's that's the biggest fear I have in yep. a game like this is not protecting your 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 star quarterback and or another injury happening in that running back room or heaven forbid one or two of our offensive linemen go down. That scares me. Yeah. Um. All right, uh, Chris. Same question. If we lose on Saturday, it'll be because why? Because we lose at the line of scrimmage. We don't establish, you know, dominance. We don't establish the run game. Uh, and we have to rely on CJ to go out there and throw 60 pass attempts. Okay. That being said, it's only t- it's now time to do this. One last time for this, guys. Or, or one, I guess, last opportunity to make our score predictions. Chris, I'll let you go first. What will be the final score at about 11 o'clock Saturday evening? I'll tell you what. I, I said it before. I think uh, Notre Dame gets gassed and it gets ugly uh, late. I'm going to take Ohio State 42-17. 42-17. All right. Aaron, what is your score prediction for Saturday? I'm going to say 48-20 to 20, Ohio State. So Aaron and I were talking before before we recorded, and he got on me for my score. Aaron, you've 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 convinced me that I need to take it take it down a little bit here. My score is going to be Notre Dame twenty four, so I'm going to take away a seven spot on them. Ohio State forty five. All three of us believe we cover comfortably on Saturday. Now. I try to I try my very best, Aaron, to take away um, my scarlet and gray colored glasses here and be very honest. I just don't think Notre Dame's got the horses for the for us. Yeah, I mean, you know me, man. When I look at this, it's the same thing. It's I'm looking at the talent level. I'm looking at the X's and O's. I'm looking at what I know about the coaching staff. So I'm looking at the whole thing. Everything but the media. I'm looking at the facts of what I can figure out, what I can see for myself. 
just because I, I owe it to the game that I've loved my whole life. And uh, I just I just don't see it any other way. Right. Notre Dame's got a great tight end in Michael Mayer. He's, he's great. Chris mentioned him. I have yet to, to watch a game where I felt like a tight end really won the game. We haven't seen it. I mean, <laughs> you go back to the 2002 National Championship game. I think it was that Kellen Winslow? For yeah, he was, yeah. He, I, he was their best player that day, and they still didn't beat us. Yeah. I mean, we took McGahee out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at, at what Notre Dame's bringing to the table offensively and think to myself, if that's your best weapon, you're in trouble. Well, how many great Iowa tight ends have we ran through? True. In the years since. That's oh, all we, Iowa does is put tight ends in the NFL. They haven't well, done anything. What about Penn State? Didn't they have, uh, was it Frankenmeyer or Frankenmuth or Frankenstein? Whatever. Yeah, he, something he like that. He plays for your Steelers, man. Yeah, Franken. I, I don't know. I mean, Friermuth. Friermuth. That's his is. name. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenberries, <laughs> baby. He was really good. That's a good cereal. Don't you knock it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is this guy as good as him? Probably, but I mean, he never, he never destroyed us. He never beat us. And I, I just don't think that they've got the quarterback. I mean, this is his first game, dude. Unless he's the next Joe Montana, and we just don't know it yet. I just, this is gonna be uh, an op. It could get bad really quick if he gets rattled in the shoe. Yeah, and it's, it's likely to happen. It's just, you know what I mean. What's it? A night game in the shoe? That's your debut game, buddy. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Bobby Carpenter, and he got the chance to talk. He said he spoke to the linebackers this week, and he told him, "He guys, he goes, guys, this is the closest thing you will ever experience to being Thor and calling the hammer down." And like hearing the music in the background, he's like, he's like a hundred thousand people screaming. And he's like, when you make the play and you get that, he's like, you will feel something course through your body. Like you've never felt before. He's like, go out and enjoy this. This is going to be, in my opinion, probably, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other games I've been to. I want to say the atmosphere I'm hoping we get is the 2016 Penn state game when we come back, came back from behind and won that game. That was the loudest I'd ever heard the shoe. I think we're going to be there from the beginning of this game. I really do. And Notre Dame is going to have to try to take us out of the game. If they don't take the, if they don't take the fans out of the game early, th- this is going to be spells trouble for them. Chris, any last thoughts? No, not at all. I think uh, I'm, I'm just eager, man. I'm pumped. I want to get this thing going. You know what? The hell with it. Let's play it tonight. Yeah, there we go. Let's do it. You and I go out to the <laughs> shoe, man, and take care and line up and get ready, man. I, I I love it. All right, guys, let's get into our big game predictions, shall we? So we always do this every year. This is uh, and then we follow it uh, throughout the course of the of the season and uh, see how well we do. Um, we got four good games outside of Ohio State Notre Dame. Of course, everyone now knows what we think about that game, and three of them <coughs> have uh, SEC games involved in them. Actually, four of them. All four of these have SEC games in involved in them. And here's what's crazy: two of them are in SEC stadiums, and the other two are in domes in the SEC state. Of course. So go figure. They're not playing a road game. But here we go. Number eleven, Oregon. On the road 
in, I guess, is it, what is the new stadium there in Atlanta, Georgia, the Mercedes Benz dome or something like that. I think it is Um, taking on Georgia. So practically a home game for Georgia here. Oregon did this last year. They came into the shoe and pulled off the upset. Are they going to do it this year? Aaron, I'll let you go first. Georgia, Oregon, who you got? I got to go Georgia. I know they lost a lot on defense, but Oregon just lost the whole coaching staff, and I'm, I'm just not convinced. I got to see it. I think you know Georgia's the defending national champions, and again, I know they lost a lot, but they're also they still have a good uh, offense. They still got some guys, you know what I mean? So, and it's at home, basically. I I got to go Georgia. I think the spread on this one is like uh, is pretty big. I, I wasn't I forgot to pull that up. I think Georgia's up to like 18 points or something like that on the spread there. So Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Aaron on this one. I think Georgia wins, but I'll tell you what, Eric, I think it's closer than people think. I don't think they cover, um, but I do think that Georgia does win this game. I'm going dogs as well. I think it's just, I mean, yeah, it's one of those deals where I think Georgia's is the better football team. So I, I I'm with you guys. And looks like 17 is the spread on this one. So 17 points on the Georgia-Oregon spread. Next, we have 23, 23rd ranked Cincinnati, and they're going up against number 19th ranked Arkansas. They're playing this game in Arkansas. Um, Chris, I'll let you go first, man. What do you think? Who's going to who's gonna pull out this one? You know, I, I'm going to go with Vic here. I, I really, you know, Arkansas lost a little bit. Um, and, and I think that people are going to underestimate Fickle based on how much he lost from his coaching staff and the guys he graduated into the league last year. Um, but I've got confidence. I think Fickle can do this. So you're going to take the upset with Cincinnati. Good I'm for gonna you. I'm going to take Cincinnati. The, the spread on this one is six and a half points in favor of Arkansas, Aaron. I got to go with Arkansas. I hate to do that. I want it like my heart's saying Cincinnati, but my head is telling me logically Arkansas because they're at home, number one. And number two, Cincinnati lost an experienced quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They lost the, the best DB in the country in Kobe Bryant last year. I think that they lost him, didn't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. pretty sure he went to the NFL. Um, I, they just, they just don't have the magic that they did last year. I don't think, you know, uh, the DB coach, he's gone. He came here to Columbus. Um, well there to Columbus, I'm in Texas, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Perry I, I just think it's too yep. much. Yeah. I just think it's too much to overcome. Uh, I'll go Arkansas. Yeah. I'm going hogs as well in this one. I, you know, and what is going to be probably, um, uh, if, if Ohio State Notre Dame ends up being a blowout, I think this one has the potential of being one of the better games uh, of the weekend. Number seven, Utah on the road in the swamp against Florida. Utah by three is what Vegas says by a field goal. I'll go first here. You guys know I picked Utah to make it to the college football playoff. So they got to win this game if they're going to get there. So, of course, I'm going to take the Utes. Aaron. Well, I'll be straight up. I don't know crap about Florida. I don't know what they're bringing back. I just know that they're at home, and that is a rough environment. The swamp is not a good place. (laughs) That's not where you want to be week one, much like Columbus. Not a place you want to be if if you're not home. Um, 
God, that's a tough one. Uh, Florida's tough, man, but Utah, pretty talented. I don't. I, I will go. We'll go Utah. I'll take Utah. I'll gamble. I'll gamble. I'll throw it out there. Let's do it. Utes. All right. You're taking the Utes. And Chris, who are you going to go with? Well, Eric, like you, I had them in the playoffs, so they got to win this one. I'm going with Utah as well. Yep. All right. And our last one, and I threw this one in here just because I find this so incredibly interesting. Um, you have Florida State, who actually is already 1-0. and They played last week, and they – they looked pretty good. Now, granted, they played against like a Division One AA school, so I mean, take that what it will, what you will from it. And it was it was at home. But here's the deal with Florida, man. They 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 went young, dude. They're starting some like freshmen and things, so they're 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 gonna take some bumps this year, some bruises. But they looked pretty good. They are going on the road. They're playing in New Orleans, so again, an, considered an off campus location but still in the state of louisiana and they're going up against lsu uh, the spread on this one is pretty interesting i looked it up yesterday i think the odds are florida state by like two and a half or three or three and a half no sorry lsu by three and a half so they have lsu favored by three and a half chris uh you know this one's tough for me i, I like the youth movement they got down there at florida state um, yeah, you know, LSU, like you said, tough team, especially in Louisiana. And we get to see, uh, our, our boy, uh, Chip Kelly down there, uh, making his debut, man, making his debut for LSU. I have a hard time going against him, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to take the Seminoles in the hmm. upset. Yeah. It's only three and a half spread. So it's almost a pick them. I mean, that's a field goal. And a lot of times they say if it's a home game, it's at least worth, what, seven points in college football? Yes. So uh, if this thing's being played in Florida State, I think the experts are giving it to the Seminoles here. But, you know, it would be very interesting what we got here. So, uh, Aaron, what do you think, man? Are you going to take the Seminoles or LSU? Well, did, did you say it was Chip Kelly or Brian Kelly? Uh, it's Brian. Brian. It's yeah. Brian. Okay. I was making sure. I, uh, so. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. I, <laughs> I I don't like Brian Kelly. I'll be straight up. I'm not a fan of his. I don't like him too much. Um, I'm going Florida State. All right. I will well, take that. Okay. Well, I, I actually – I'm going to go LSU here. I will take Brian <clears throat> Chip Kelly. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll take LSU. If he loses – he cannot lose his debut. He oh, he can. Notre Dame he can. Double whammy this weekend. They yeah. and their old coach wins. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rub some salt in the Irish this weekend, Chris. There you go. I like that. I'll take LSU and go against your guys's buck your trend there. And uh, Chris, you bucked our hogs trend and you went with Cincinnati for the upset there. So yeah, I like it, guys. Those are our our pickums this week. Um, so make it what you will, guys. If you go go out there and lay a little money down. Uh, I would say uh, I would say probably go with Aaron more than likely. I think he uh, Aaron's usually pretty good at this. Although I don't remember who won last year. I know Chris, you were last, weren't you? Yeah, I dropped off real bad at the end of the season. Well, didn't you, I didn't you I tra- win last year. I thought you won, Aaron. I'm pretty sure I did, but it yeah. wasn't by much. Yeah, I, th- I think you took Eric by a game at the end of the season. 
Yeah, and I think I think what happened, Chris, was you tried you picked some upsets on purpose to try to make up some ground and it didn't go. Yeah, yet. I did. So, all right, very fun. All right, guys, there you go. So we got one more thing to do tonight, guys. Um, and this is something we do every year as well, and it's it's something now that has grown and has gotten more and more popular. So we have a Big Ten power rankings that we do every single year. It started off with just uh, the three of us and four of us, and it grew f- to five. And now we're up to eight people contributing to our power rankings. So we've got uh, Chris, myself, Aaron. Uh, we've got Jason. We've got Corey. We got Sean. We've got Kevin, so our, a Michigan and Penn State fan. And now we got uh, Mr. Davis from the Dotting the I podcast. So there's eight of us now. And what we do is we rank one through 14. And if you you have a team ranked at number one, they get 14 points. Team ranked at 14th, they get one point. And then so the, the points go from 14 down to one. We add up all those points together, and that gives us a total on where – a team is ranked in our power rankings. So it's not just what I think or what Chris thinks. It's what all of us think combined. And here is our initial power rankings for 2022. Number one, Ohio State. And I will say they did not get the number one vote unanimously. There were three other individuals who voted Ohio State number two behind our number two team, that team up north. Number three is the team that Chris, Aaron, and I all predicted to win the West, that being Minnesota. Number four is the team that represented the West last year, that being Iowa. Number five, another team that is expected to uh, uh, compete for the West and is playing tonight at home against Penn State, Purdue. Number six is another team from that state up north, that being Sparty. Number seven to round out the top half is Penn State. Number eight is Wisconsin. Interesting that Wisconsin is in the bottom half to start the season. Number nine is the is Chris and my Cinderella team for this year, Maryland. Number 10 is a team that's 1-0 already, Illinois. Number 11, another team that's a 1-0, that being Northwestern. At 12, that being Nebraska. At 13, we have Rutgers. And 14, bringing up the caboose, are the Hoosiers of Indiana. Again, Ohio State, Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Maryland, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, Rutgers, Indiana. Chris, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the initial power rankings in the Big Ten, I think a little too much love came to Penn State, to be honest. Um, I, I just don't see it out of them this year. Uh, you know, and I'm like you, a little surprised that uh, Wisconsin at least didn't make it to the top half. Aaron, your thoughts on our initial power rankings to start the season? Uh, I mean, week one's always rough, you know, because not everybody's played and it's you just you don't really know. You know, it's even though. Uh, I, I don't, man, that's rough. I feel like if we switched Maryland with Penn State. I would have been OK with that. 
Um, I think that Sparty should have gotten a little more love. I think they would probably have been better at fourth, but I'll, th- this is okay. Week one, hard to tell. We haven't seen everybody yet. This is okay. I can, I can deal with this. This is, we can work with this. It's going to change in a week anyway. It will change in a week after we see everybody play for the first time and, and see how things go from there. So keep your eyes on this as we go throughout the season, and uh, we'll see what kind of movement everybody makes moving forward. All right, so guys. That, real yeah, quick, one ahead. question. How long does it take Scott Frost in Nebraska to end up at 14? I don't know that they ever will, because I think Indiana is might be the one of the worst teams in all of college football this year. But you're underestimating how bad Scott Frost can screw up the game. Well, I'll say this. So so Scott Frost took they took away the play calling ability of Scott Frost. They gave it to someone else and he still found a way to play it, call a play that screwed the game. Yeah, that takes some kind of special right there. I'll just say this. OK, even if Nebraska and Indiana both lose every single game, Indiana will be last every single week because Nebraska manages to lose by seven or less every week. Indiana's fitting to get blown out every week. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. When the Big Ten did their uh, to- uh, their tours of all the teams and they reported on them every night on the Big Ten Network, when they went to Indiana, they were basically talking about how nice the stadium looked. <laughs> <laughs> because they had no, okay. they had nothing to say about the team. They looked that bad. So Indiana is Indiana's in for a rough year, man. I'm just telling you, like rough. Allen getting fired. I mean, probably not. He probably has enough goodwill from what he did back in 2020, and you know, but whew, yeah, yikes. Yikes doesn't even begin to say it. Um, it's kind of crazy. You look at these power rankings, and I mean, Illinois looked really good against Wyoming. Now, I understand that's Wyoming, but still. Uh, Josh also Allen. Illinois. Yeah, Josh Allen, anybody? I mean, come on. Um, Illinois plays Indiana, I think, this week. I think if Illinois goes out and just just like wipes wipes the field with Indiana, there might be some buzz there. Northwestern, this is the uh, even number year, so we know they're going to climb, right, Chris? Absolutely. I I'm almost starting to think the Big Ten might be able to squeak in eleven teams to bowl games. Now I think mathematically, even, mathematically it's going to be really hard. Like literally, like all eleven teams have to at least go three and zero in non-conference for that to even be possible. But I, you know, with 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 Northwestern beating Nebraska, I think. I think there's a chance that Illinois Northwestern can get to six and six, and and I think the other nine teams that are ahead of them all get seven or more wins. We could get eleven bowl teams in the bowl games. I, I think that's possible looking at these power rankings. Yeah, I, I could see it. They just have to do exactly what you just said. They're going to start off strong three and zero, oh, and then squeak off a couple of games that maybe they weren't supposed to win. But I I could see it happening. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, when, when an Illinois crossover game is Indiana, that helps. That does help. <laughs> yep. That'll help you. All right, guys. Enjoy the game Saturday. We will be back Sunday evening mm-hmm. with the um, review of the game against Notre Dame as we get things 
started rolling here in the uh, 2022 season. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, hi.